If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 7. That's the chapter you should have been reading all this week. If you're new with us, we're in the middle of a series uh, where we are just going through Mark chapter by chapter. And so here's the arrangement. I uh, ask you to read a chapter every day during the week, just one chapter. This week it was chapter 7. Read it every day so it kind of gets in you. There are questions that are kind of uh, coming up and bubbling up and things that maybe you really gravitate towards and you're just asking God on your way to work, you know, what's this mean for me? And then I promise to preach somewhere from that passage uh, the next Sunday. So last Sunday, uh, didn't Joe do another great job uh, with chapter 6 uh, and such a great job? And uh, this week, so then you should have been reading chapter 7 all this week, and today I will preach from there. I want to read one portion, and so uh, if you have, if you don't have a Bible, uh, go ahead and grab one in the seat back in front of you, and you can turn to page 688, and you can follow along. We're going to be also on 687 later on, but uh, go ahead for now, we'll look at 688. So Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. Now you've heard that word before. Not too long ago we heard about a a stormy man. A man filled with legions of unclean spirit and Jesus, how Jesus healed and, and saved and released and he wanted to go with Jesus and, and I, he said, no, you go back, go back to your town and tell how merciful God has been to you. So now they're going back to that, that region, that area. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, so there's a crowd, so evidently the formerly stormy man uh, told a lot of people about how God was merciful to him. But he took him aside, away from the crowd, and Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. that's, That's the first little strangeness. Then he spit... And touched the man's tongue. Aren't you glad this didn't become one of the sacraments of the church? Uh, So he spit and he touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened. And he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the word of God, come. Help us to hear your voice today. Help us to be opened. For we ask this through Christ our Lord.
Amen. So this is obviously the end of chapter seven, uh, and we're going to we're going to land there. So you, I told you to turn back one page to six eighty seven. And we have this this passage where the Pharisees approach Jesus right at, at, at verse one and they they ask a question. And uh, and so Jesus kind of answers them in a reply again, kind of following that pattern that we've seen in Mark all the way along that, yes, this is Jesus, the long awaited Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world and is announcing the kingdom of God has come near but it's not going to be like you expect it. And so Jesus, again, gives an answer to the Pharisees that is not what they were expecting. In fact, his disciples weren't expecting it either. And they asked the question later on, um, you know, what do you mean by that? And so he explains it to them. Then you have this little passage where it seems a little strange that Jesus has this conversation with a woman. And it, and it seems like Jesus is being really rude. But we'll get to that. And then we have our passage on healing. Whenever there are some healing passages, Jesus isn't just being nice to someone who needs his healing touch. Okay? I mean, it includes that. Don't get me wrong. I think Jesus was filled with compassion and, and wanted to help. But, but there's always a deeper symbolism that is going on there. There's always something deeper that is happening whenever you see these healings begin to take place. So for us to begin to understand this, we kind of have to jump back into first century Judaism, which is quite a leap from the 21st century. And, and so they ask a, a simple question. The Pharisees come to Jesus. You can read that there. They, they come to Jesus and they ask him, the teachers of the law had come to Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, verse two, and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled. That is unwashed. Now, remember, Mark was writing to non-Jewish folks, so he has to kind of explain this whole thing. And he does that in verse three. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles, and all the germaphobes said, Amen. All right? So Mark kind of wants to explain this to his crowd. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food, instead eating their food with defiled hands? Then later on, Jesus begins to talk about some of the other purity things that are there about eating. We'll we'll get into that. But I want you to I want you to hear some things that are going on so we can kind of jump in and understand the surrounding. Okay, this law or these traditions and then the traditions of what we eat and don't eat. So this idea of being clean, this idea of being pure was very, very important in many branches of Judaism is still important to this day. It is this idea of keeping clean and being set apart for God. And so they would they would do some of these things. Now, I think it's pretty interesting that God was taking them as a people and uh, and bringing them together as a people way back when he delivered them from Egypt. And uh, and he begins to kind of give them things that are good when you get mass groups of people living together. 
You know, when you get a whole group of people moving in one direction, it's probably pretty good to wash your hands, right? If you're traveling with a lot of animals and you've slung your cooking equipment over the back of a goat or a, or a cow or something like that, um, I don't know about you, but the smell of those animals, I don't want that in my food. So some of these things just make common sense. But when you have had these traditions all through uh, your, you know, your hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, you begin to identify with them. They begin to take on sometimes more significance than they were originally intended. And Jesus kind of takes this on in, in, in some ways because this is a tradition in, the, in this part. This is something that is good, it's beneficial, but what began to happen slowly and subtly, and especially as the Jews were overrun by the Romans, they began to look to those things. Whenever you have purity laws, whatever they might be for us, I was, I was trying really, really hard to think of of what our purity laws are here in, in, in our day and age. I mean, we wash our hands, and, and thankfully you do that. Uh, thankfully they put those signs in the bathrooms of restaurants that workers must wash their hands before. Uh, you know, that, that's good, but that's not something that we see as something that makes us an American. It's something that makes us just a, a really good human being. Amen? Um, it's, it is something, though, for... for for those in the first century, and especially when they had been overpowered by the Romans, it, it kind of became more than just a good thing to do. It became an identity marker. A- an identity marker that says, I am Jewish. This is what we do. And if you want to be a good Jew, you will do these things too. So does that add a little bit more weight to the question that the Pharisees are asking, uh, asking Jesus? Why, I mean, it is, why are they eating with defiled hands? But also, why aren't they behaving like good Jews? Uh, don't you know we're surrounded by Romans? We're surrounded by all these things. We need to, to unite as a people. We need to do these things. We need to make sure that they know who we are and what we are all about. So this is just one of the things that we're supposed to do. Jesus kind of calls them on the carpet. And he says, yeah, you have lots of traditions. And he names one. He names one. It's called Korban. It means I'm dedicating all my money to God. And and there was something that was written in the law that you were to honor father and mother. Um, And so that meant with your finances as well. And you helped and you did these things. But they had found a tradition, a loophole around that if I declared all my money was set aside for God's purpose, then I could get out of the tradition. I could get out of actually I could get out of the scripture. So Jesus begins to call them on the carpet about their tradition as their identity marker. He begins to say, there's got to be something deeper that's going on here. Let's move on just a little bit. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong page. Okay, here we go. Verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me. Everyone and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. He said, 
I'm sure this was full of love. Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their hearts, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Mark wanted to make sure that we non-Jews understood this. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, evil, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is interesting. Okay, so Jesus has talked about the hand washing in the tradition. It's an identity marker. Then there were the food things. Again, there were certain things that Jews did not eat. Anybody want to care to name one thing that, that they don't eat? Pork. Very good. No bacon. Can you imagine? But there were all kinds of other things. There were shellfish and different kind of bottom feeders. Uh, uh, all, all these kinds of things that, that, that went in to, again, making them a marker of who they were. And this gets really, really, really ramped up when their identity is feeling threatened. Retreat back into what we do to be good Jews. Now, Jesus begins to do something. Now, I, I want you to hear me today. Whatever those things are, those, those purity laws, those purity desires, they are not bad things. They are something that, that kind of something that we participate in on the outside in order to recognize that there is a spiritual work that needs to be done in each and every one of us. And the Jews kind of had that, that there is something that we are waiting for God to complete. By Jesus' day, they would have heard from the prophets about the time when God would write His law on their hearts. And, and yet they just keep practicing and keep practicing and keep practicing. They keep, you know, kind of using these as identity. This is what makes me a good Jew and not a Roman. And we've got to do this because we're all waiting for the judgment day, the day of the Lord, when God, Yahweh will come and write His law on our heart. And oh, by the way, the other part they like to get into is He'll judge all the others and we'll wind up on top. So Jesus begins to do a couple of things here. First of all, according to Mark, he sets aside all those purity laws. Doesn't Jesus think that's a good idea? Shouldn't we long for those? What Jesus is saying in the midst of this is, those were signposts that were pointing to me. First of all, not eating pork, not eating bacon, does not make you a better person on the inside. Although it may make you a healthier person. But can I get an amen for bacon? Thank you. He begins to call them on the carpet and say, those things that you think are making you a good Jew, they are signposts to point to the need that you have as a community. To have my Torah, my law, written upon your heart so that you may do it. And Jesus is saying, it is the heart that is important. It's not what you put in your mouth that makes you a clean person, that makes you a good person, that makes you a whole person. It is 
what Jesus can do in the heart. What the kingdom can do in the heart. It's the heart that needs the work. And Jesus is calling everybody back to the heart and saying, this is what's most important. And the kingdom that I am bringing and the thing that I can do in you will change the heart from the inside out. You no longer need the signposts because you've arrived at the destination. How many of you, um, when you uh, are going to travel somewhere, you turn on your GPS? Where are my smartphone users? Okay. How many of you still use a map? Anybody? Anybody use maps? Okay. All right. Good, good, good. Now... Once you arrive in the town, what do you do? You, you've arrived at your location. Do you keep the GPS going? No. You turn it off, right? You want to save your battery. What about uh, the maps? Do you, do you carry them around with you everywhere you go? No, you're, you're home. You're, you're where you need to be. You've arrived. You can lay those aside. Jesus is saying and declaring foods clean and, and setting aside this, these purity laws and setting aside these things. It's not because they're bad. It's not because they're evil. It's because you have arrived at the destination. The one who can write my law on your heart is in front of you and he is willing to transform you from the inside out and to do the thing that you have longed for, to fulfill the mission, to complete the task, the one who is before you is the one who can do that. So Jesus declares this. It's not what they were expecting. You see, they just wanted to be good Jews. Jesus wanted them to be transformed people, kingdom people. So he goes off, he tries to get away. He has this little banter with a woman from outside of the faith. We see it's a strange word there, Syrophoenician woman. uh, And they they have this little banter. It sounds kind of rude. Uh, He he says to her, let me see, where is that? Okay. He went in the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee. No, I'm sorry, wrong place. Jesus left the place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell down at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Here's the part that seems a little rude. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Ouch. Don't recommend that if you don't know the person. Don't say something like that. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I don't know about you, but I can almost hear Jesus laughing at her bold response. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed. So what, how, do, how do we jump, make this jump from one to the next? So we have this idea, these purity laws and these things that make us good Jews. And Jesus says, I'm the one to fulfill all of those things. God is not interested in making you a good Jew. God is interested in transforming you and making you a kingdom person. Making you into what He wanted Jews to be from the beginning, which is the light to the world, so that all of the nations of the world would be blessed through them. 
And the one who is standing before you is the one who can change the motivation of the heart in order to have that happen. And so then Jesus moves out from Jewish areas and he begins to interact with someone who is Jewish. And I think the dialogue is intentional. He uses the metaphor for many Jews called Gentile people dogs. And I think he wanted to call particular attention to the type of good Jews people were being. That these were not transformed from the heart inside out, looking to the needs of others, seeing that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so he uses this interaction with this young woman to bring point of fact that this is the direction of the kingdom of God. It starts and expands. It moves outward for blessing of others. And we begin to see this. So what's the key? Well, here's where we land. We have a man who can't hear, can't speak. It might be kind of like the disciples who couldn't quite get it in through their ears to where it made sense. It, it might be, it might be that they were yet to truly declare the kingdom. And Jesus shows through this one who is healed, God's willingness to enter all the way into the human experience. To bring Christmas into the present one more time. To show that He is willing to get dirty and messy. I mean, I don't know about you, this is pre-Q-tip days. I don't know that you'd want to stick your fingers in somebody's ears. And then, to get down in the mud with someone, to spit and to place it on the tongue... And then Jesus uses this word. And Mark leaves it in the Hebrew, in the Aramaic, when he says, Ephaphtha, which means what? Do you remember? Be opened. And we see a man who can now hear. And a tongue. I always think it's funny. Jesus healed his tongue and then told him not to talk. Don't tell anybody. But it doesn't work. It's like, I've got, we don't know how old he is, but however old he is, he's like, I've got to make up for lost time. And I'm going to tell a lot of people about all the things that God is doing in, in the world. And I, I want to do all of these things. And I want to tell him. And it just winds up, the message is going out faster than Jesus can say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Uh, those kind of, it's just getting out there. But there is something, my brothers and my sisters, that if we want God to do this work in us, We need to let Jesus come in to whatever our motivations are that are keeping us from seeing the kingdom move out. For some of us, it is our ears that are stopped up. For some of us, we don't want to hear anything but what we've already heard before in the past. And if something challenges my worldview or those kinds of things, I don't want to hear those things. I'm sorry to tell you, but if you come to church, you've joined an organization with a book of Scripture that challenges worldviews. I don't know if you know that, but that's part of what we're here for. It's not all of what we're here for, but it's part of it. We have to be able to hear what the Spirit wants to say. For some of us, it's, it's difficult to speak. We, we feel like we have to have the theological degree or we have to have the education in order to talk. Jesus, remember to the story, man, just, just talk about how God was merciful to you. How, what has God done in your life? Start there. Talk about that. For some of us, it is our hearts that need to be spoken to, that need to be broken wide open. 
we can no longer rest in what we think makes us, well, in Jesus' day, a good person or, or a good Jew. In our day, a good American or just a good worker. Because Jesus, although those are good things, don't get me wrong, but Jesus isn't concerned just about you being a good American or a good worker. Jesus is concerned about transforming your heart from the inside out so that the very motivations of your life are talking about the mercy of God, the love of God, the encouragement of God, the hope that God can bring to any situation that we begin to live in those rhythms of grace each and every breath that we take. That's what the kingdom is interested in. And so I don't know about you, my brothers and my sisters, but today, studying this week, I have been challenged. I want to hear Jesus Do whatever Jesus needs to do in order for me to be open. To to be open to someone who may not be like me. To be open to someone who might have a differing opinion than I do. To be open and willing to go in the name of Jesus to help, to serve, to encourage, to speak good news, to do those things in the world. What about you? Where are you? Where are the places where you feel like your ears, your heart, your mouth, your eyes just need to be opened? Are you willing to let the one who stands before you, not Pastor Jeff, but Jesus, Do whatever Jesus needs to do to pronounce over you a fafta.